0: Welcome to the Not Your Average Gun Girl Show. We are your hosts. I'm Emily Valentine from Style Me Tactical. And I'm Amy Robbins from Alexa Athletica. We are a lifestyle show meant to empower women to live confident, prepared, and self-reliant lives. We talk everything from our favorite beauty products to concealed carry firearms and everything in between. We bring guests on our show with compelling stories that will inspire and encourage you in your journey. Now you can not only listen to the audio part of the concealed carry network on your favorite podcast streaming service, but you can also watch our show by going to OpsLens.com or downloading the OpsLens app. This episode is brought to you by ConcealedCarry.com the concealed carry community's number one resource for training, education, and concealed carry weapon law information. Check out their reciprocity map builder tool where you can build your own custom reciprocity map, especially if you have multiple state permits. Concealedcarry.com has a huge library of articles about training, gear reviews, and industry news. Concealedcarry.com also has one of the nation's largest networks of firearms and self-defense instructors. Chances are they have classes and instructors near you. Also, Look into the Concealed Carry Gun Tools app, which takes many of these online tools and puts them in the palm of your hand, free of charge and free of ads. Available for Apple and Android devices. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. Amy, how are you? Doing fantastic. Always great to be back. How are you doing him? I'm doing all right. We are going to get right into it today because we got a lot of information we want to cover. We have one of our good friends back on our show, one of our resident go-tos. We love having him here. We've got former Green Beret security consultant, active threat response instructor, and owner of Tax7, our friend Jeff Houston. How are you? Hello, ladies. I'm great. Hello.
1: (laughs) Always great to have you on the show, Jeff. And it's it's unfortunate. I love having you on when you can just you're like a wealth of knowledge for our audience. And then you know we have situations like what's been going on this weekend, and it's like unfortunate that we have to have you on for you know to come and discuss this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But I'm glad that we have somebody to go to because I know we've got a lot of people that are asking questions, and you know we hear what's going on in the news if you have not been listening to the news lately. We had a couple of uh, shootings take place over the weekend, really tragic, really sad stuff. And we've, we've got a lot of women that ask, you know, what in the world do we do when we find ourselves in a situation like this? And this is something that you and your company have been dealing with over the past few months. So let's just jump right in and Mm -hmm. and find out what, what do we do?
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, it's it's an it's an important thing to talk about. Unfortunately, it's unfortunate that we are having to talk about it. It's unfortunate right. we're seeing the stuff in the news. But, you know, this is the world we live in and, you know, there's things that, that everybody can do to uh, you know, raise their awareness and uh, hopefully get out uh, or avoid a situation like this to begin with. And sometimes there's nothing you can do to and you might find yourself right in the middle of it. So, I'm happy to be here and uh, hopefully give some tips and advice that can help people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I don't think that we're naive to think obviously that everybody carries some form of right. self-defense tool. And for those that may find themselves going out and about on a normal day, going to a mall, going to a shopping center, and they do happen to find themselves in this situation, what's the first thing you tell people um, if, if they find themselves in something like this?
2: Well, the first thing that I would tell people that's very simple is run, get out of there. Uh, Statistics will show that um, about 98.7% of the time, the shooter is by themselves. And when they're not by themselves, they're they're typically co-located with their other person. But 98.7% of the time, they're by themselves. So if you are out and about or in a school or somewhere and you hear gunfire, and you are able to simply get away from the sound of that or get out of that immediate environment, then you, your chances of, of survival go way, way, way up because you're not likely to be pursued at, as just some random individual by the shooter. So for sure, the first thing that I want people to do is without hesitation, you know, remove yourself from that immediate environment. So just run, get out of there under any circumstances possible. And to elaborate a little more on that under any circumstances possible, you may have to do something drastic. You may have to break the rules and, you know, throw something through a window to escape through a window. Um, You know, when something's going down like this, and there's a wacko uh, shooting people or, or stabbing people, you know, the rules are off. You know, if you need to break property to save your life uh, then do it. Uh, there's not. There's no piece of property that's going to be considered more valuable than your life. So you know, break a window, get out of there. Uh, you know, drive if you're in your vehicle and you're at an intersection and someone starts shooting. You know, drive o- drive over the sidewalk or drive.
0: <laughs>
2: you know, as long as you're not hurting other people, to do it, then you know, don't be afraid to break the rules.
0: I love that. I think that it, when you get into a situation like that, there's so much chaos that sometimes you you get stuck wondering like, wait, I'm not supposed to do this. And I think that's such an important thing. Um, I think that people need to kind of keep in the forefront of their mind that in that situation, really, you need to break the rules and there are no rules. You just need to do what you you can to to survive and get away.
1: Yeah. I think for a lot of people too, you know, I was reading a story about the one in El Paso and it took a, f- a few shots for people to actually realize what was going on. The lady uh, one of the checkout ladies said, "Wait, I thought it was boxes that were, were falling down i didn 't know what was going on, and by the time she was able to process, okay, what is actually going on? Mm-hmm. you know and I think maybe a lot of people might find themselves in that situation too. Um, and I always wonder, you know, especially with this being in Texas, you know this kid is from right down the road where I, where I live." Um, and I'm like, God, I just would love to have thought that somebody, if this happened in Allen and McKinney and Plano, that somebody would have been there to be able to stop them. And I don't know what the situation was in El Paso, but the response time just seemed to take a while before cops could get there, you know? And so what is the average response time in a situation like this? Do you know that, Jeff.
2: Well, it's really going to depend on the actual environment and the location of, of where this occurs. You know, for example, um, you know, in, in Ohio, we saw the shooter was stopped. You know, in about sixty seconds. Um, in California recently, when that person cut through the fence, you know that that shooter was stopped. I think in thirty seconds. So sometimes it can be very quick, um, mm-hmm. and when it stopped that that quickly. You're going to either have, you're going to have some sort of other, you know, good person with a gun stopping yeah. that situation. And that's going to be, you know, law enforcement or a trained and prepared uh, concealed handgun holder, perhaps, or a private security guard. Uh, but time, time sometimes will go by and minutes will tick away. And those minutes when you're in a situation like that may seem like hours. Um, so, you know, you've got to go back, go back to, you know, the example in the Walmart where that lady was thinking it was boxes, you know, you, you got to raise your awareness level and not ignore indicators like that. And particularly when you have kids or you're with loved ones, that's when you really, really need to be cognizant of how, how quickly can I actually get my family out of here? If I'm the one that has to take charge and herd my family, herd my kids out of here, you know, am I really setting myself up for success? Are they, are your kids close by? Are they on the other side of the store? Because uh, when you start introducing factors oh. like family and loved ones, then your options, you know, suddenly become a little more limited. You can't just simply run to that back exit and get out of there.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think also going back to, you know, if that if if that cashier, for instance, I mean, and this can, is going to happen in any situation, if she's thinking it's just boxes, that, that response time, if it's taking her, a few seconds to process what it actually is, then, depending on if there is armed security or a you know a licensed concealed carry handgun holder around by the time one of them even realize what is going on and then notify um, law enforcement there's your extra lag and time there, so it 's just it 's yeah. luckily that the other 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 two were stopped within you know the thirty second time frame, but you know as you were saying, like mm-hmm. this can take. It all depends on the response time. It all depends on who's recognizing what's happening and how fast that they can react to say, okay, well, we need to get some extra help. We need to get law enforcement here. You yeah. know, and I've got Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go
2: on. Yeah, it can take it can take minutes. I mean, it could take it could take ten, twelve minutes or more for law enforcement to respond. So, you know, obviously we want to have people that have other means to protect themselves, and that's of course what you all do is you help me promote and encourage people to responsibly, you know, arm and be able to protect themselves. And we, we want more of that. And mm-hmm. you know, this is America, we have our Second Amendment right to do that. Uh, unfortunately, it's, you know, becoming harder and harder in some states and some municipalities, and it's harder to walk into every single store legally carrying a firearm. Uh, but, you know, people need to realize that law enforcement uh, they have the best of intentions but they're not necessarily going to be there for you when you need them most so give yourself the appropriate you know training and equip yourself so that if you have to deal with a threat you you're able to and we can talk a lot more about that obviously but uh i, I want to go back just to the awareness thing for a second and just really highlight that you know do not ignore indicators you know th- if you see somebody that looks suspicious walking into a store or a school, you know, then corral your kids and start moving to the exit. Um, don't don't wait around. You know, this is th- there are threats out there. They are luckily most of us will never encounter these threats in our lives, but we can't expect that we're not ever going to. We have to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. So use early indicators. Uh, like strange sounds or strange sights or strange looking or acting people, and you know use that as a, as a preemptive um, you know deal to indicator to to gather your kids up and you know start thinking through your plan
1: you know i I think a lot to dinner in a situation like this. I can imagine the chaos that 's going on around this whole situation, and for somebody who does advocate women to conceal carry and I do it myself, you know, I just wonder what is the best type of training to do for situations like this? Because, you know, going to the gun range and just doing static shooting, I don't feel like is really helping this situation a whole lot because you've got people that are running around and you've got other things that you have to be aware of around you. So what does somebody do if they do want to conceal carry? What type of training do they go do to even prepare themselves for something like this?
2: Amy, it's a great question. And, and a lot of people don't think that far ahead, unfortunately, but they need to. Um, obviously, the static training at the gun range or on the firing line is important. That's going to help you improve your marksmanship and your confidence with the firearm. And marksmanship and confidence with the firearm are, are important things that one needs to have, but you've got to go to that next level. Uh, The best way specifically to prepare for a a real world, uh, you know, emergency where you may have to use your firearm is, you know, scenario training, find a place like my company tax seven USA. We offer scenario based training where we can actually put people into a real world feeling scenario. Maybe they're in a restaurant or their bedroom or an office or a school. And we have role players that have, you know, you know, uh, blank guns or knives or whatever. And these role players will come in and start chaos. And we are forcing people to respond. And, uh, they have a, for example, a, a blank firing gun or a marking gun that they can use, use if they feel like they need to use it, or they can, you know, go to the exit or barricade or hide. Uh, but without, without going through training like that, it's hard for most people to actually fathom, What is it really going to be like in this uh, instance?
0: Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, Amy and I, you, you, we, and I, or we have done some scenario-based training. Then also Jeff, I was lucky enough to do some um, with you last year. And I think what's interesting about that scenario-based training is that even though in that training, you're given the layout of of what the environment is, is going to be. And you think, well, since it's not really a real scenario, you think that you can predict how you're going to react. And I know going through like a few of those scenarios, like I didn't react how I originally thought I was going to react because even though it was still a role play scenario, there were, you, you couldn't, I didn't know what was going to happen with the, who the attacker was or, or what they were going to do. And it's interesting to kind of see how you personally would react even in that um, scenario based training. So I think it's so important. And I know that after doing that type of training it's something that I'm always like, I, I want to do more of that because it's really what you can easily apply and relate to situations in your life and where you go about your day.
2: It's just, it's just, it's unbeatable in terms of actually preparing somebody for something like that. Now, that being said, that, that's not, it's not like that's all you can do. That's obviously the, you know, one of the best things you can do is combine scenario-based training. Um, you know, that's really well done and, you know, be careful on where you're going because, it has to obviously be done the right way and mm-hmm. it's paramount in that scenario, but you've got to combine it with, you know, uh, static firearms training, um, or non-static, you know, a firing line, if you can go and get some firearms training where you're actually moving around shooting from, you know, atypical shooting positions, shooting with one hand and not just standing in there with your feet planted on the ground, that's good too. And then beyond that, look at the mental training that, that all of us can do every single day. Start running yourself through what if scenarios as you're out and about, you know, next time you're standing in line at the grocery store, actually envision, you know, okay, what if somebody walks through that door and starts shooting? What would I do? What would I do right now? What would you do? You know, and and just take that and multiply that uh, times a hundred times a day, you know, when you're in a parking garage or you know, just walking out to your car in front of your residence. Uh, so putting yourself through the mental reps is another thing that people need to do.
0: Yeah, I think that's important. I I know that I I think like people think like in our in our I say like in our world, but in the in this thought process of being prepared, that that just seems like that we live in this like paranoid life. And I know that like I think. Everything trying to get yourself prepared and being able to defend yourself, there's all there's little things that that you need to do and little gateway, what I would call like gateway drugs or gateway steps to kind of get you there. And I think you know, we talk about situational awareness all the time, and that's sort of like that first step to get your mind prepared, and then going into um, grocery stores, wherever did you, wherever it is that you're at and just kind of running through a scenario is just another way to kind of help make you prepared and make you aware of the potential of what could happen. Because it's not about, you know, being paranoid, but it, you know, what does that take you? One, two seconds just while you're standing in line to say, well, if someone came in, what I do, where are my exits? What are my? It's just about getting that that mindset going and thinking about these potential scenarios. Because I think, Once you start embracing that reality, then you can move forward and say, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, what are my options? And then kind of lead into sort of down the road of, well, what are the tools that I have and things like that? And I think that's what's so so important that people just need to kind of grasp is the reality that we live in and taking those steps to kind of build up to what am I going to do should something happen?
1: Mm -hmm. You know, Jeff, in your experience, do bad guys stop shooting when they get shot at, <laughs> when someone shoots back?
2: Yeah, well, they most of them uh, will. They're not prepared to really put up uh, after they get a lot of resistance. Um, there obviously are exceptions to that. There's some bad guys who are shot and carry on and move on and, and are still able to move um, and continue with destruction. But uh, usually a lot of these people, they're, they're cowards. These guys are cowards. They're obviously, um, you know, probably you know a little bit mentally unstable or have some other deep, deep evil issues that they're dealing with. But nonetheless, when they're confronted with uh, with resistance, uh, a lot of times it does end, and they'll stop fighting. Maybe they'll kill themselves. Uh, so you know, we do we do love when responsibly trained people get involved and end this stuff because we've seen several times, unfortunately, that most of the media will not highlight these scenarios, but there's been several, several occasions where somebody is stopped immediately that is about to cause or causing destruction. And, you know, if it's only one or two people shot and then they're stopped by a good guy, that's not highlighted. We're not going to hear about it in the news, um, at all. Uh, I mean, you really have to go and look for this stuff. Um, uh, but there's success stories all the time. This stuff happens, you know, Every week uh, in this country, where 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 bad guys are stopped by good guys, and obviously there's no telling how disastrous it could have been. But how many of these, you know, disastrous mass shootings, you know, any if they kill four or more people, you know, that that's considered typically a mass shooting. Um, how many times have those been stopped by good people with the guns? We'll we'll never know. Thankfully, because they were stopped. Um, but yeah, usually these people will stop after some resistance. Uh, and we want to encourage that, obviously, however i and you know I want to say we encourage that, but we don 't expect you just because you 're a trained person with a concealed handgun you 're not expected to intervene um you do not need to go chase down that shooter, and a lot of times I would tell somebody not to they 're not they're they may not be trained, they may not have the right mindset, they may not have the right weapon and it 's typically just it 's typically not smart to go and confront somebody. However, you may find that you have no other choice. If you're, if you are confronted within, you know, whatever it is, five, six seven eight ten 10 feet of somebody shooting, you know, you may not have any other choice, but to engage. Um, but, you know, for most people, if they're on the other side of a shopping center uh, or a grocery store, Walmart, whatever it is, and you hear gunfire, the smartest thing for sure to do is get out of there at 100% get out of there. Uh, somebody like myself with uh, experience and training I'm probably going to go hunt that guy down. Uh, I am going to go hunt that guy down. But, but I, don't, I, I don't want people thinking that that's what they should do because there are a limitless amount of other factors that are going to come into play here to include other people, other good guys with a gun. And, um, you know, I've seen this in scenarios time and time again. The, a good guy gets shot by another good guy and there's just all sorts of disaster that can happen. So I just want people to make sure that they're realizing that, it's not going to go down how it's, how they're playing it out in their mind.
1: Well, sure. I, I think about that too. You know, how does that complicate the situation when the cop does show up? If there are other, like the cops, when they show up on the scene, they don't know who the bad right. guy is. I mean, they're they're assessing the situation. They're looking from an outsider's perspective and they don't always know, they don't know which one was the one that started any of this, you know? Right, and, and you don't, yeah.
0: Well, and you don't know if, if you're just a civilian there and you see three people with, you know, pulling out their firearms and, and you're kind of uh, mixed in the chaos. You don't know which one. You may not know that two of them were actually there to kind of help. They could have you might think that they were part of the bad guys. So you're going to turn around and tell the cops those three people had guns.
2: Yeah. you And you certainly can't just come around a corner and shoot whoever's holding a gun, even if there's bodies on the ground around them, you know. What if somebody else just ended it and that's a good person, an off-duty cop or, you know, just a civilian and they ended it? You know, you can't. So this stuff gets obviously very complex and it has disastrous consequences. I mean, could you live with yourself if you shot a good person with a gun, you know, and ended their life? No, that, that's a terrible, terrible thing. And there's obviously consequences to that. So people must be aware of of those repercussions um, and I'm not saying that to instill you know fear in them. I don't want to instill a fear of response, but uh, there's just a lot that goes on. so again, this reverts back to kind of an underlying theme here is train train, train, train. The more you train, the better you're able to to respond yeah. so
0: you, so let's say you can't run. you're in the situation you can't run something, you end up getting injured along the way shot or or whatever. What can, you know, whether you have a fire, you're, you're a carrier or not, what can civilians then also do um, in terms of carrying any kind of medical kit, things like that to kind of help if they end up getting wounded in, in a situation like this before, you know, ambulance or police arrive?
2: Yeah, great question, Emily. Um, obviously, we want to notify first responders. Usually in a public setting, uh, several, several people are going to be calling 911. Uh, but if you have information to pass on, don't hesitate to call 911 and and identify where the shooter's location is, a description of the shooter, uh, where where you're located, how many casualties are possibly down. And and then you can definitely save your own life or save others' lives with uh simple medical um, knowledge and experience and, and tools. Uh, obviously the first one most of us think about is a tourniquet. And um, most studies will show you that improvised tourniquets are not that effective. Uh, they can be effective, but they are, they're very difficult to stop, especially like a femoral bleed uh, with an improvised tourniquet. So uh, it is a very good idea for people to carry uh, a, a reputable tourniquet. Uh, for example, the cat tourniquet from North American Rescue—that's a good one. There's a few very good ones out there. Um, but carry a tourniquet; you can use it on yourself uh, to, pre- to pre- provide self-aid. You can pass that tourniquet on to someone else uh, that's wounded, or apply that tourniquet to someone else and save a life. But bleeding is the number one thing that is going to uh, to kill people—is a loss of blood. You know, you can bleed out in two minutes, uh, and that's that's not a long time. So, uh, now it doesn't mean that if you get shot and you don't have a tourniquet, you're going to die. Uh, you can, you know, apply pressure. You just need to stop the bleeding, apply pressure to a wound. Ideally with a tourniquet, if it's on an extremity, if it's not on an extremity, then you you need to put, pack that wound with whatever you can and apply a lot of pressure to it and hold pressure. Uh, those are some very simple things that, that really anybody can do, um, to stop, to stop bleeding and save lives.
0: Great. So I think that, I know that that's one of the things I know I've seen there's courses available like Tourniquet stop the bleed courses that I think people should definitely look into. Cause I think even if you know, you don't have a uh, tool for self-defense, you can at least if you're in that situation, have something to save your own life or someone else's life, which I think is very important. Cause I think also too, I'm noticing that with these um, these shootings that are happening, I mean, I hate to say it, but they're happening in gun-free zones. So you know, the law abiding citizens who carry responsibly responsibly are not going to go into um, a place that says you're not allowed to carry your gun.
2: Yeah, it's it's terrible. It's unfortunate, obviously. And I don't I don't get it, you know, because the good guys are the ones that are going to follow the law and the bad guys aren't going to care about that at all. So uh, again, you know, we've talked about that before <laughs> about that whole gun free zone thing. Right. Um, but, you know, people going back to your original, you know, Comment here about what can you do if you can't run. Uh, you know, you can obviously try to barricade yourself, try to hide, try to get out of sight, um, provide yourself an area of, of cover or concealment, and uh, somewhere where you're able to maybe provide sanctuary for yourself or your loved ones. Um, but be prepared to fight. And if that, if you have a firearm with you, like now's the time to to have it out. Don't mm-hmm. wait. Until you see the shooter come around the corner to get your firearm out of your bag or your waistline. Uh, get that firearm out, you know, and start assessing the situation. And uh, you know, don't don't point it, you know, at the corner with your finger on the trigger. Uh, but be ready, you know. Get that gun out. Be ready to use it. Um, start looking at your surroundings and constantly assessing. You know, where am I? Where are where is a better position of cover or concealment? Where is there an exit that I haven't identified yet? Uh, where are my loved ones? Who else is around me? You can get on the phone with nine one one, and again start providing information. But be prepared to fight. And and just because you don't have a gun doesn't mean you're helpless. There are other tools to help you, you know, uh, fight a suspect. And that's it. Could be anything from a pen uh, or pepper spray to uh, an improvised weapon that you pick up wherever you are—a chair, um, a whatever a pipe something laying around you know a tool a wrench a hammer you know look around there's things you can use you can use a coffee pot uh because you're going to use whatever Mm -hmm. you need to use whatever you can to Mm -hmm. save. at the end of the day there's no again there's no rules here and uh something is better than nothing you know people like oh what what good is you know that going to do if i pick up something off the counter and use it well if you pick up a fire extinguisher and and shoot it at someone or swing it at someone's head, you know, that may be buying other people a couple of seconds behind you that can then join the fight. And all of a sudden you're, you're, you know, using overwhelming force to to take down a shooter. So you're not helpless. Just don't think you're helpless. Even if you don't have a gun.
1: I love that. I love that mentality of Mm -hmm. like, if you can do something and there is a chance like to be brave and, and courageous, like, jump in and do something about it. And I think that that is such an important mentality. Yes, we we want people to get out of the situation, but sometimes you may just find yourself in a situation where like you just need to be courageous and like that's why we we love we love heroes so much because they know the danger that they're going into to help save somebody else's life and it starts with that mentality. And I did have one question about barriers and barricades really fast because um there might be some people that think, okay, what can I hide behind? What actually does give me the best concealment? And, you know, like what types of barriers can these bullets penetrate? Because honestly, we know what types of firearms and calibers are being used in a lot of these mass shootings. So what is the best barrier that will deter or deflect that that bullet that they could stay safe behind?
2: Yeah, great question, Amy. Um, And I can tell you that most people that haven't looked into it or haven't taken classes are going to be surprised to know that most things aren't going to provide you adequate cover from, you know, a a projectile coming at you out of a firearm. So a lot of bullets will go through a lot of things. Uh, Obviously, it's going to depend on the caliber. uh, What platform are they shooting it out of? What specific type of bullet is it? Is it going to pass through objects, or is it going to open up and, and dump its energy? So there's a lot of factors at play, but people need to realize that, uh, in general, bullets are going to pass through things. So. You want to, to you. You can never really have enough cover. Um, you know, people think of a car door. You know, oh, that it's a car door. Well, that's not going to really do much of anything. The bullet's going to pass right through a car door. It's going to pass, you know, right through most doors. Uh, just you know, bedroom doors in a home, for example, or drywall. Mm-hmm. The bullets are going to usually rip right through that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so if you're out in public, you know, there's not a whole lot um, usually handy. Obviously, you're going to want to start looking for. Uh, Things like, you know, big concrete columns uh, that are holding up uh, the structure like in a parking garage That's that's that can be ballistic cover Um, Sometimes, you know tables uh, if it's a nice thick table, you can turn it over or a desk uh, That's going to be good filing cabinets things that are packed with paper like that uh, can provide um, Some cover Um, and again, it's going to depend on the caliber and and what kind of gun they're using Uh, but also, you know just if you've got if you're wearing a backpack and you've got a la- if you have a laptop with a couple of textbooks in your backpack, then that will actually stop mm. some some uh, some caliber of rounds. So you know, get, just do the best you can is all I can say. Uh, but don't ever think it's just enough if it's something you know small or or a chair or a table.
1: Awesome. Well, Jeff, we really appreciate you taking time to come on and talk to us. If somebody was interested in taking a course with you, where can they go and find them for that?
2: Uh, the web, our website, tax7usa.com uh, is a good start. Uh, also, our Instagram, tax7usa. That's T-A-C, the number seven USA, tax7usa. Um, again, my name is Jeff Houston. Uh, and You can you know just go- Google it. You'll find tax 7 uh, and uh, shoot us an email and, and we can get you set up with, with one of our training programs. We train people all over the country, uh, but you know, we're also happy to help people find uh, a good, reputable trainer in their area. Um, because uh, you know we're not the only ones that are out there doing great training. There's lots of great people doing it, so uh, seek it out. You know, vet them and 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 get some help, get some training.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. We really appreciate the time. And um, if you guys have any questions regarding this episode and uh, want any further information, you send us a DM. We'll be able to um, get those answered. We can reach back out to Jeff and kind of get some clarification if there's anything. I know this is a this is such a, a heavy and a uh, big topic that, that we wanted to discuss. And I know that we can continue discussing this more and more. So, you know, just, uh, reach out, let us know, um, if you have any questions and thanks so much, we will, uh, see you guys next week.